Neat Stuff Podcast, episode 11. What a haul! A big box of games for only five bucks at that garage sale? What a bargain! Well, let's see. We've got Settlers of Catan, Risk, Stratego, The Amazing Labyrinth, and hey, what's this? Arkham Horror? That looks interesting. Ah, too bad it's stained. Wait a second, is this blood? Finally, I have found the one. What? Now I can return to the land of the living. Uh-oh. Thank you for releasing me from that prison. I have been stuck there for many years. So, who are you and why were you trapped in a board game? I am the Dave. The tabletop master in the Tri-Cities area. My rival, Steve, was getting revenge for totally destroying him at the third annual board game championship being run down at the local game shop. He poisoned my Cheetos and trapped my spirit in this board game. Now the only way for me to find rest is to train an apprentice to win back the championship. Uh, that sounds like it might take a while. Hold up. I'm going to give someone a call. If you must. Hello, Ghostbusters? Aww. Don't pout. That is a completely arbitrary reason to not pass on. Besides, while we wait for your eventual exorcism, we can listen to this. What is it? The Neat Stuff Podcast. All right, we're back. Welcome back to a full-length Neat Stuff Podcast. My name is Devin. And I'm Tyson. The Dynamic Duo is back for yet another round of Neat Stuff. Yes, bros before... Bros? I don't know. Anyway. Bros before other people who are not busy doing other projects and can't (laughs) podcast with us today i guess yes because some people have you know projects and lives and such like that uh anyway speaking of lives we were able to get together and play artemis again and actually we had enough people to have two ships Barely. We had to pull some double duties. We only had one science officer and one comms officer between us. And a couple people had to play both helm and science, I think it was. or No, it was tactical and science. Yeah. So, yeah. But we found it actually worked out really well when you have mm-hmm. when you have the ship going. You have your captain on helm because they really focus on moving the ship around. You have another one on weapons and engineering. And then you have someone to do science, someone do comms. Because with the way Artemis works, you really got to kind of keep, um, there's not a, there's only one person that can do comms. Like if you have multiple comm officers, they start fighting each other for, <laughs> for the control of the transports and all the different ships and junk. Um, so it's kind of interesting. I think it, we were both in the same room. That helped. Yeah. So it helped make communication a little easier. Uh, but I think it'd be a lot more interesting when we set it up to have, both uh ships in different rooms to see how it works we have enough we have enough setup that we can get at least two full ships in different rooms in the same general vicinity and maybe even a third one like a couple floors away so it should be interesting yeah we were able to uh use the a couple of conference rooms at my work after hours so that was fun 
Yes, so big thanks to Tyson's boss who let us get away with that. Yes, thank you, Diane. <laughs> you are awesome. You are. We had a lot of fun. Yep. Um, but yeah, so we're probably going to do something on Artemis late in the future, maybe a YouTube video or something as we start gathering footage of this. Yeah. But yeah. It's it's actually kind of cool. And it there's definitely, I need to figure out how to do the scripting to make the missions a little more interesting because once you get stuff figured out the invasion mode it becomes really easy because you just sort of go around one ecm one nuke and hey look everyone's dead which <laughs> i was looking around on the yeah. forums and that seems to be a very common overpowered strategy so yeah we'll figure some other stuff out but, and make it more interesting as time goes on well they do have the option for adding a game master so we might just have someone dedicated to that and just start throwing stuff at us yeah so it's an interesting game and it I think we can really dive deep into it, and I hope that we can bring some more tales or we'll do some more interesting tales than us of, hey, we drove around and, oh, we ran into space. Why did you fire a missile to space, whale? <laughs> what the? Oh, no. Oh. So, yes. Yes. Oh. Poor space whale. He never saw it coming. But we are going to talk about games. Uh, we'll start off with games and especially space games. Yay. Now, uh, there's been a lot of buzz around this latest game called FTL, Faster Than Light. Um, it's a lovely little space game, uh, very strategy-based. Uh, people call it roguelike uh, on the one hand because you've got the, the little mini-map. But really, uh, if you're not familiar with Rogue, it was a dungeon game that uh, randomly generated the dungeons as you played. So every playthrough was different. Sure, they had a lot of the same features and you can kind of get a hint of the idiom, uh, kind of the underlying uh, idiom of the setting and whatnot, but every game was different. Uh, there's some other games out right now. Uh, Dungeons of Dreadmore jumps to mind. That's another very roguelike game. But this one's in space, and the way that they handle the roguelike aspect of it is with the different uh, sectors and then the star systems that you jump into. They're randomly generated, so every game, the actual playthrough and what plot points you can come across change. So, you know, one game, it could just be nothing but pirates from here to the end game. And, you know, you don't really get a whole lot of interesting side plots. Or it could be, you know, you're running across people that are giving you quests, uh, special items, new ships um, to play through with, new crew. It's just really fun. It's uh, single player, though, so that's nice. It's really convenient. And it's not as much Star Trek, but more of kind of either Firefly or kind of Battlestar Galactica sort of thing. You kind of jump around. You spend most of your time managing the crew and controlling the weapons. You actually don't fly the ships so much. You uh, give commands and on where to fire the weapons, and your view is just on your ship and their ship. And you don't so as you watch, your weapons will come on. Your weapons will leave your ship, and then they'll come on screen on the energy enemy ship on different sides of the uh, of the screen. So it looks like your guys are circling each other and whatnot. So you can imply a lot from the game, but it doesn't actually explicitly show you it. Yeah, the game itself is actually wicked difficult. I mean, as a rogue like you are gonna die. 
A lot. A lot. Yeah. Sometimes <laughs> even in the first space, uh, first star that you jump to, you die just immediately because you get like you run into someone that shoots missiles and they take out your only drone controller and now you can't do any damage and now there's fire everywhere and you're dead. Yeah. I I, I had a mission where I jumped into a uh, one of the the gas giant or not the gas giants but the the ion storm the. No, it's the, one of the ones where the sun is ex- it's going oh, nova. The solar flares. So every yeah. the, so every couple of seconds, every like you know thirty seconds or so, you get a solar flare that lights random parts of your ship on fire. And yeah, it was the first system I jumped into. I still had the three basic crew. Uh, the enemy had uh, missiles and an ion gun, so they kept shutting down my shield and then my oxygen. And then I started getting fires all over. The- yeah, that that game ended very quickly. Yeah, and that's the thing. Um, it's not a game for people who get frustrated easily because there's so much randomness involved that you really have to get a good... You have to have a lot of really good luck to get the items that you need and the weapons you need because when you get to the end... But it's really worth it. Well, yeah. Well, when you get to the end, there's a big boss you got to defeat. And it's just like there are games that you just can't win and you're not going to because <laughs> you're just going to either run out of gas or your all your crew's going to get killed or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it's very difficult, but I think it's pretty rewarding with how just all the combinations and all the strategy you have to come up with and really weighing the options of, do you go North or South on the different areas? Do you have enough space to get there before the giant armada of enemy ships catches you and then, really messes up your day so it's it's very very interesting and we highly check highly suggest you check it out it's an indie game so it's like 10 bucks on steam so um i think actually yeah it's 10 and you can actually buy it directly from their website and they'll give you the downloader drm free but they'll also give you an unlock code for steam so that you can then go into steam and then add it to your library so you don't have to track you know the the installer and keep up with it and steam will just automatically handle it for you yeah so. this is one of those games that are doing it that are doing it right oh totally and it's a solid game i mean it is some really solid game and the the emergent storytelling in it is rather good the next game we have is gratuitous space battles now this is another space simulator and it's kind of interesting because I kind of think of it as Space Battleship Spreadsheet (laughs) because you don't actually... This is another one of those games that you don't actually control the individual ships. Um, In this one, it's it's sort of a three-step process. It's you set up your fleet ships with modular parts and you can switch in, switch out parts. Then you set... Then you place them out on the field like you would like with Warhammer 40K or something and tell them kind of what you want them to do. And then you hit the play button... And see what happens. (laughs) Um, It's kind of like, I think one person described it as you basically what happens when you line up all your army men on one side and line up all your army men on another side. And then you go play and you take them, you go smash them into each other. Ah, they fight and they die and and terrible, terrible this happens. And that's kind of the interesting thing because you can set everything up and you can just hit play and just watch the carnage happen. You can kind of put it on a screen beside you, go do something else, you know, sort of pick it on it or you can fast forward through the combat really really fast or you can slow it down and see what individual um, ships and what individual beam weapons do 
And it's a really high-level strategy game that you're able to make minor changes and minor adjustments and then run the simulation again and see what happens. So, I don't know. It's another indie game. It's a couple, I think there you can get, they have a couple of expansions for it. You can get the whole thing for like 20 bucks. Um, it's definitely for those who like sort of that more overarching strategy base as opposed to just a click fest of must do this, must do that, and getting their timing down and all that other stuff. So it's much more slower and you can chill out and just play it kind of calmly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's definitely a different style of game. The whole, you know, set your commands and then sit back and watch what you hath wrought. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's a lot of fun. I, I've uh, played it a bit and I've enjoyed it. Uh, but if you are interested in the, the uh, click you have to click at the right time and it's timing and strat but combined with strategy you might want to check out civilization wars uh you can find this at uh armor games it's uh originally was a flash game it's really cute uh capture point strategy game uh basically you click on um a capture point which has a certain amount of uh uh troops in it you then drag it over to the place you want them to attack and release and half the people in that uh, capture point will leave to go take on your new target. There's three types of capture points. One of them are uh, bases that just give you more troops. So as long as troops are in there, they'll just keep churning out troops. There's some that'll give you mana that will let you to cast some spells. And the spells are, you know, pretty straightforward. You know, drop some fire. It's very... Uh, drop a storm, tornado, lightning, uh, thunder, lightning and thunder, um, earthquake, or you know, summon golems or zombies or whatever. So it's a fun little strategy game, kind of a fantasy element. Um, it's very much that sort of uh, click and drag strategy that I've seen more and more of. Uh, it's one of the reasons that my girlfriend really wants to get a uh, iPad is so she can play Civilization Wars. It is very cutesy. Um, the noises that they make as they're charging around is pretty hilarious. And it's just, it has some very good visual elements and it's a great way just to kill some time because the rounds only last a couple of minutes and you can do them one or two. And, that, and what's nice is that there's some RPG elements so you can level up your troops, increase their stats, and even go back and play old levels if you need a boost your power a little bit to get through the story mm-hmm. it's a lot of fun and i'd check it out at least the free flash game uh the ipad app comes with some christmas expansions which are fun as you go rescue santa claus from or actually you take revenge on the aliens who shot down santa claus um civilization wars on the um well the flash game for civilization is called civilization wars uh because of various copyright and whatnot they had a problem with that on the ipad uh it's called supremacy wars on the ipad so you can check it out there and i think it's also available as supremacy wars in flash on the web so you might want to also look that up yeah just search around we'll have link in the show notes for all that stuff so moving on to our last game is Eufloria. Now, this is very similar to Civilization Wars where you have capture points and you send you know, your massive troops from one place to another. Uh, but this is much more, uh, uh, the way it was described that it was a 
bacterial style combat system, if that makes any sense. That you have these capture nodes, you build up troops, and then you send them to other nodes to take them over. Now, what's interesting is that you that all of the you know all of your units are little seeds that fly around, and you can collect ten of them to create a tree. And if you create a tree, you get more seeds per second. So what happens is that you will have these you'll have to make these choices between when do I build, when do I attack, when do I keep a bunch of seeds to defend with? Because you know you can have anywhere from one seed on a planet to three, four, five hundred seeds on a planet if you have enough of mixing stuff together. Um, and there are other seeds that'll knock you out. And each planet, it's another one of those procedurally generated um, games. So each world is a little different and you get slightly different planets and each planet has, you know, different stats if they produce high energy, high damage or high speed, you know, health, attack, um, movement, uh, seeds out of them. So you, you know, build up a bunch on one planet that gives you a lot of really good seeds. You backfill on your, you know, not as good planets to make sure that you can have a bunch of cheap throwaway seeds that you can use to build that kind of stuff. And it's really interesting. I think, um, What's great about it is that the music is very zen-like and you can just sort of chill out. And there's moments where you just got to pause and slow down and just wait a little bit before you move on to the next one. Um, depending on how you play, you can, you know, wait 10, 20, 30 minutes. There's actually an achievement to have a 10-minute fight, which is kind of crazy. And um, there's also another achievement in it to beat the game in less than 10 hours. So you can either power through it really quick or take your time it really doesn't make a difference because each level you just go through and beat one you can always go back and play it again our next neat thing is actually a tv show it's called political animals and this is a modern day political drama very similar to the west wing that follows the family of a former president it seems like they follow uh that it has a lot of parallels to the Clinton family, but it's not the Clinton family. I mean, there there's some similarities, but there's a lot of other stuff that I don't think was in the Clinton family for it. Um, the star of the show is Sigourney Weaver from Aliens fame, and she's the former first lady and current secretary of state, uh, which is kind of cool because you get to see sort of a dramatized version of political of presidential politics and sort of that higher level of American um, of what America has to do in the world uh, there's a lot of darker undertones and it really shows the pressure that being constantly in the public light that you know you don't normally see it's definitely what is behind the curtain of press conferences and prepared interviews. And Sigourney Weaver is just an amazing actress on her own. And the whole cast is just really, really quality actors and actresses. Yeah, there's some, you know, they, they do tackle some very adult themes like sex and drug use and, you know, backstabbing politically and that kind of stuff and what you want to do. A lot of the characters are likable and are fun to watch to see what, you know, fun to watch them go about their lives and try and, you know, deal with all of their issues. I mean, there's everyone in it is flawed and they all are trying to do their best for what's for do their best for their country, for their family, for themselves. And it's a lot of fun if you're into politics. If you like, the, like I said, if you like the West Wing, 
you'll probably love this show. Awesome. It's a USA Networks show, and it's a short run. So right now it's on Hulu, uh, but I don't know how long that, if it'll come on or off or something. But I would check it out while it's still going. If you haven't noticed, the theme for the show is strategy, both you know politically but also militarily and whatnot. And if you distill strategy down to its most basic form, you come up with a game called Go. It's an amazingly complex strategy game, one of the great games to come out of the East. It's more complex than chess, and it tends to have a higher learning curve. It's pretty straightforward. You just have white stones and black stones, and you take turns placing them on a grid. If you surround your opponent's stones with your stones, they're removed from the board. The game ends when... Uh, both of you don't want to place any more stones. It would be you know, strategically unwise to do it or run out of places to put stones. You know, there's just no more place, space on the board. It's completely full. Uh, then that game ends and then you count up any intersections that are surrounded by stones gives you a point. And the ones with the most points win. It's very basic to learn i mean it's just play stone play stone play stone play stone and the scoring while it sounds kind of complex really isn't once you get your hands on it but oh my gosh can it get really really complex uh it's one of it's the current uh standard for computer intelligences at this point uh since you know years ago computers have been able to pretty much solve chess you know, we've been able to solve chess through computers, but we haven't been able to solve Go. One of the reasons why they haven't been able to crack Go is that it's a very large board and there's just so many combinations. It is said that there are as many grains of sand on a beach as there are different Go games. And there's some basic strategy guidelines that have come out of the millennia of people playing this game, but there are still strange tactics and strategies that you can come up with. And it definitely makes it an interesting game to learn to play. And there's so many different uh, possibilities that you can come up with. And the skill cap on this is amazing. I mean, there are professional Go players living in, in China and Japan and South Korea that all they do is play Go. Yeah, it's, it's a crazy game. It's, like I said, there's a lot of depth to it. There's a lot of complexity to it. But it's also surprisingly straightforward. If you and a couple of friends want to start your journey of Go Discovery, uh, I would check out the American Go Association. They have a lot of resources for places to play Go online, books to read, just then the basic rules training. And realistically, the best experiences you'll have with Go is to play with people that are just about as experienced as you are. Because <laughs> I once made the mistake of playing with someone who was actually ranked, which there are rankings in Go. Um, and that just ended in tears because he basically took every single stone that was on the board because I kind of suck like that. Um, but yeah. But there's also, if you don't want to go to all the trouble of reading books or going to websites or finding people to play with, but you are interested in Go... You could always watch Hikaru No Go, the anime about Go. Yeah, and this is one of the f great things of anime is that, um, so the story behind this anime is that in Japan, the popularity of Go was kind of falling off. 
Um, there wasn't as many Go players. So the professionals were having a hard time finding kids who were interested in playing Go. So what does the Japanese do when they're, say, when they're faced with a problem? They make an anime about it. That's actually pretty much what happens whenever they have a problem. Somebody will make an anime about it or a manga or a novel or something. And this story follows uh, this, this story follows a young kid named Hikaru who stumbles across a haunted Go table. And he meets a master Go player from the 8th century of feudal Japan. And he starts tutoring him and how to play Go. And this kid, they use this kid who knows nothing about Go to teach him all the different things about Go, about how you can tell Go players by how they hold the stones and all these, you know, all, all the um, how all the professional ranking uh, or how all the professional tournaments work. You know, using that empty vessel, they can explain things to him and at the same time explain to a young audience how they would get into Go. So, yeah, it's actually it's a really fun and cute anime. Um, his Hikaru's uh, rival, they have some really kind of like that sort of weird moments. So they they kind of have like an on, on again, off again friendship and it's sort of full of drama and all that other stuff. But I definitely think it's a good anime and I would just check it out for maybe the first couple episodes to see if it's something you like. So, yes, it's it's fun. It's there's something about Japan makes so much anime that they've got to find something to do with it. And this whole inch, uh, possessed by spirit of ancient player is a reoccurring theme I found in Yu-Gi-Oh! And I think there's uh, there's one about, you know, a soccer player or no, it was uh, this uh, kind of uh, Korean variation of handball that he has a, it's, you know, takes on the spirit of this ancient handball player. But yes, no, it's it's fun. It's a great show. You should check it out at least to get on, you know, it, and the nice thing is it will actually give you an understanding of Go. You know, unlike unlike other uh, shows about games like that, like Yu-Gi-Oh, you watch it and you're just like, how does this game actually work? Um, or Saki, which is like, okay, I... I think Mahjong's cool, yeah. but I have no idea how yeah. to play. I've seen like two seasons and it makes no sense. I still don't know. Yeah, I, I've watched manga or I've watched anime about uh, Mahjong and I still don't understand how it's supposed to work. Yeah, scoring in Mahjong is hard. Yeah. Anyway, but that's a topic for another podcast when we actually figure out how that works. <laughs> On that note, we've come to the end of the Neat Stuff podcast. If you have... So, um, some uh, if you have run across an anime that has explained some very odd game, or just anything random like bread, if you've seen an anime on about making bread, we want to hear about it. I know that there's at least three anime about making bread. That that is the sole plot arc is making bread. So put those recommendations in an email and send it to neatstuffpodcast at gmail We'd love to hear from you. Or if you find any neat stuff, it doesn't even have to be bread related or it doesn't even have to be anime related. Just anything neat in the world. We want to hear it. Yep. You can check out our past podcast at neatstuffpodcast.com. And that basically brings us to the end of this episode. So from the Neat Stuff crew, my name is Devin. And I'm Tyson. Have a great week, guys. Have fun. And we'll see you next week.
The Neat Stuff Podcast is brought to you by Apparitions Advisors Incorporated. Tactical advice from beyond the grave. Our expert team of expired legends will use their ethereal powers to guide you. We have hundreds to choose from, including Erwin Rommel, Axis and Allies, Scipio Africanus, League of Legends, Sun Tzu, Magic the Gathering, Genghis Khan, Yu-Gi-Oh, George Patton, Chess, and many more. Call in the next 30 minutes and receive a bonus CD of Devil King's Nobunaga Oda's Daily Affirmations. Even if he has no dignity, a man can live if he can eat. Even if he has no food, a man can persevere if he has dignity. But if he has neither to make things better, he will rely on anything. Operators are standing by. Call now. <laughs> no, you're gonna get actual music. I'll uh, we'll probably get actual music. Oh, sorry. <laughs>